You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and across Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. Hey, friends, and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Brad Piron. I'll be the host for today's episode, and I'm joined here in studio with my friends and brothers in Christ, Aaron Richards, hey Brad. Dan Dimite, and special guest today, Pete Burak. Pete, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Yeah, so um, if you're tuning in for the first time, this is the show where encounter meets mission. It's the show where we take questions from you that we try to give the best answers we have. Um, Two, and we have actually two cents that we throw into a jar whenever we're ready to answer the question. Mm-hmm. We'll each give one uh, answer a piece and we'll kind of comment on each other's answers. I'll give my two cents today to Pete before I throw it over to Jack for today's question. So Jack, Whoa. can you share with us the question of the week? Yeah, of course, Brad. The question of the week is, what do you do when you feel like your community has become complacent? What do you do when you feel like your community has become complacent? Okay. Pete, I'm just ready so right out the gate to put <laughs> the coins in, in yeah, that yeah, jar. Yeah, yeah, Go ahead. Slam dunk yeah, you're yeah. a basketball player, right? Oh! Yes, and the win's over. Yes, that's perfect. I didn't even know there was no, a win. No, it's there. successful. Okay. <clears throat> so, awesome question, Jack. Thanks, man. Um, well, it, it, not to be that guy, but my first instinct would be like, if I was actually in a conversation with somebody and they said yeah. this question, I'd be like, what do you mean by complacent? Because mm-hmm. I think that it could encompass a lot of different things senses of what the per- where the person is and what they're doing and what the community is or is not doing. So setting that aside, I think it's worth defining that though for a second of like, what do we mean by complacent? But setting that aside, um, my first instinct when I heard the question was, uh, and then look down at this book by <laughs> Chesterton. Chesterton, when he was asked, what's wrong with the world? Mm-hmm. He said, me, <laughs> I am. I'm what's wrong with the world. And so my first instinct when I heard this question is if you f- feel like your community is complacent, take a deep dive into your own heart and say, where are you complacent? Where is your heart gone stagnant towards the Lord? And one of the best ways to get out of that personally is to fast, to pray more, and to do stuff. And so my two cents would be if your community is complacent, it might be because you're complacent. Mm. That is good. That is good. Uh, Pete, that you, is good. You, you, I mean, in the course of... Uh, evangelization and preaching and teaching, you, you run into a lot of young adult communities um, or Brad, you, you know, on campus with the campus ambassadors through recruiting, where have you guys run into this type of stuff before? Yeah, I think, well, for me, I think I usually run into it in communities that have um, just different experiences within the same wall. So you have people that have gone and they've had an experience of Jesus that's different. And when they come back, they're not sure how to actually, um, bring those two together, reconcile the two different experiences. So the complacency, at least that they're perceiving comes from, wow, there was something I experienced there that was so different Mm -hmm. and I really liked it. And then I came back here and noticed that it's not the same and it's feeling to me to be complacent. So usually when that question comes up, that's how I experience it, but I'm not sure. Do you have the same experience different? Yes. Uh, Similarly, I think a lot of the communities I've experienced that would identify this way, when you dive into it, it's because they've stopped praying together. Yeah, and they've lost a sense of why they exist, uh, and a lot of times those go hand in hand. Like why you exist should be originating from the throne room, and yeah. so if you're not praying together and discerning why 
why do we, why do we do this? Why does this community exist? And what are we set out to accomplish? What's our mission field? Mm-hmm. If you lose that sense of mission, you will lose a sense of community. And then, um, yeah, then it'll just be this kind of random group of people who are kind of doing things together and we're not really sure why. Mm-hmm. And that loses conviction. I love mm-hmm. what you were saying too. And one other, one other area that I see transition happen, or at least one of the, uh, I don't know, a temptation is surrounding relationship. So oftentimes you'll see individuals who are excited and on mission together when they feel like they have time to give. Hmm. And then, uh, you know, we kind of fall into the American ideal of, of what marriage should look like or what a newlywed couple should look like. And oftentimes that's the point that I see where somebody says, Hey, now is the acceptable time for me to step out of mission. Hmm. Uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to live my good, my good Catholic young adult life. And we're going to take a, take a year or two to just do us. Um, and that turns into a lifetime of, of kind of stepping out of the game. So I like what you were saying in your two cents. You close by saying fast, pray and do. And I think a lot like, okay, so let me fast for my community and for myself so I can find my own complacency. Let me really pray into what is the complacency? What's the root cause Mm -hmm. of the complacency? Mm -hmm. Where am I? uh, Where's my own flesh involved here? And then to do something. I think Mm -hmm. if you, I mean, I, the, uh, what in the discernment of spirits, uh, Ignatius of Loyola Loyola talks about like you act against the desolation. And so if there's desolation or complacency, just do something against it, you know, like act against it so that, um, so that you, if you, if there's spiritual complacency, then pray more, right? Mm -hmm. Don't pray less, pray more. If there's missional complacency, mission more, Yeah, don't, don't mission less. Yeah. And I do think there's a time in the maturity that we have in our walk with the Lord, where we realize that a lot of the like secular wisdom of focus on yourself for a little while starts getting tiresome to us, right? Like we, we like look and we're like, actually, I don't, I want to focus out now. Right. And, and sometimes when we have that inspiration, we feel like everyone around us should have the same one, but actually if we take lead on that and welcome people into it with us, kind of like what you were saying, Mm -hmm. Pete, if if we take ownership of that and we actually begin moving and welcome people alongside us, we all I want to toss mine in. I was going to go. Oh, man. I got in the loop. Yeah, this is is perfect. Uh, So I want to jump off something that Pete said, actually, the do something about it, Mm. uh, that here at Damascus, um, the, the Dynamic Catholic Foundation did a study a number of years ago that looked at young people walking away from their faith. And I think the same could be said of young adults or missional communities that uh, within 10 years of their confirmation, they said five out of six young people will leave the practice of their faith. But for the one who stayed, 89% of the time, that one person stayed because of a unique sort of outside of the box experience of encounter with Jesus. So they identified that the the, um, most common denominator between people who stayed engaged in the faith was that they did something that was outside of the norm. So it wasn't being raised in good Catholic families. It wasn't going to Catholic schools. It wasn't the vibrancy of your parish. It was truly that something happened that shook me out of my standard that brought me into an encounter with Jesus. And, and that's really what we've founded uh, the, a lot of the programs of Damascus about that we want to create that mountaintop thing. So I would say if if you find that your community is is feeling or becoming complacent, it might be a good opportunity to ask like how can I how can I relight the fire? How can I get us out of our norm? Um, a great opportunity for that that I've seen impact us. You know, in my youth ministry core team, 
Um, we were a young adult community, oftentimes even consistently in the mission field, we would become complacent. But it was our annual mission trip that that pulled us out of the norm, that really charged us up and got us reengaged. Uh, I started leading an annual trip to a conference down in Georgia that was it was it was something that was outside of our norm that was exciting that was that was enlivening and it it kind of re-kickstarted us so i'd say yeah don't get too negative um i think complacency is maybe sort of in the nature of a human person but if we can if we can get ourselves out of that out of that norm i think we can we can maybe get the ball rolling again that's awesome. I, I, it's, I mean, just last night, so we're doing our um, <clears throat> Young Adult Empower Conference right now. And one of our missionaries last night after prayer, he said, man, like, this is so good just for our missionary community to be like, to be reminded and wakened up. And, and it's like, it, it's, and it's, it's funny because we're an on fire missionary community that prays every single week together. We're on mission every single week together. We're, we're constantly encouraging and exhorting and challenging each other to mission, but there's something different yeah. about stepping away aside together, focused on a time where we, we're ready for God to move. It, it's, it wakes everyone up again. Yeah. I, I love the, I love the idea of getting out of the, the norm of operation because there's another thing where you're going to start seeing, um, your community differently. Like when you get out and experience God differently, you see everything differently. And so, um, when you come back from that encounter, allow yourself to see what God did in you and therefore what he can do in others, right? Mm -hmm. What he does in our life, we actually can testify to, we can speak encouragement to people, uh, for like, Hey, if he did this for me, he can do it for you too. Yeah. What's interesting about your point, Aaron, is that there's been such a movement. I'll just say in the American church, to almost downplay those moments, to be like mountaintop experiences almost become uh, something people point to as like, well, they just had a mountaintop experience and then they didn't have anything else. Yeah. You know, like like events and kind of big dramatic emotional moments are almost being set aside as if they're a problem, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then we can't focus on that. We, we need to be able to focus on the rest of life. And it's the beautiful Catholic both and like we need both. You know, when you look at the gospels, Jesus brings the apostles to very dramatic encounter moments. Uh, and then he walks with them and he lives with them. Mm. And even then throughout Acts of the Apostles, there's big dramatic things that happen that remind them of who they are, that remind them of their anointing, that remind them of God's providence. And then there's the everyday stuff of walking from one city to the X to the next. And so it's, it's not an either or. And so I think it's, it's so wonderful. Again, we're at a conference right now and it's okay to be like, this is really good. Mm -hmm. And all these people need to go home and instill habits of prayer and all these other things to sustain them. And then along the way, they need to come to something else that will mm. shoot them up in the, the arm and they'll be ready to go for the next thing. And yeah. so <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's that balancing act that often we, we kind of lose that balance. Yeah. That'd be a fun book dramatic moments. Like, I think there's a book called like holy moments, like, or like the, uh, memorable moment, like dramatic moments, like the dramatic moments of the, like of the gospels of the acts, the apostles, and then the dramatic moments of Damascus, like well, how's God showing up and there's a lot of them. waking us up and in just normal human life too. Right. Like your, your wedding day is a big day. Like these, yeah, they, these things, and you moment. look back to it and like, again, it, it's not like that forever, it, but it is like that for a moment. And it does help you yeah. prepare for the next thing. Same thing in the yeah. life of the Lord. So, hey, if you're complacent, have a dramatic have moment. Have a dramatic moment. Boom. Oh, All right, my two cents. Woo -woo. Okay. Um, 
it, it, I, I identify with this because I feel like over the last 20 years of my life in Christian community, I have felt like uh, uh, community is complacent a number of times, and I have had to ch- try to call community out of complacency. And I think a lot of sometimes I've done that from like the role of the leader of the community. So I'm calling out those who I'm leading. And other times uh, I've, I've had to do it as the participant in the community. And so whether you are the participant and you're like, man, my my past, like I'm at a parish, my pastor has all power and authority here. And I feel like I don't like what, what rule do I have or a, co- a college campus ministry? And you feel like you're a participant, you, you don't have authority. Um, it doesn't matter if you're the leader or a participant. I, I think the strategy is the same. Um, so the first thing I would say is discern. So discern is, is this from the Lord or are you just being a jerk? And so like sometimes um, the Lord tells you, he shows you that the community is complacent so that you can do something about it. Sometimes you're just being a jerk. You had, you like came to that retreat and now you come back and you're like, oh, I had this experience and they didn't. So like just discern, is this from the Lord? Like the, did he ask you, does he want you to do something? Then secondly, I would say, thank the Lord for it. Like thank the Lord that you're feeling that sense of complacency, because this is a prophetic sense. So God, he often, you would see the prophets in the Old Testament call out to Israel for their unfaithfulness, which ultimately was their complacency. Whenever they were complacent, what did God do? He would rise up um, prophets, and the prophets would speak God's word to the people. So if you see it, discern, then thank, then discern again. Okay, if I'm a prophet, thank God for making me a prophet. Now, how do you, what word do you want me to speak, Lord? And how do you want me to speak it? And I think how do you want me to speak it is really important. And then you want to speak it how the Lord is speaking it to you or how he asks you to speak it. So sometimes when I see complacency in a community, um, I speak that, I, I, I challenge that complacency with a word of the Lord and a word of frustration. Sometimes I do that in a word of gentleness Sometimes it's in a word of sorrow, like and and so be attentive. What what is the what is the Lord saying, and how is He saying it? And then try just to simply say, I, I feel like the Lord is saying this, and this is how I think He's saying it. Use His emotion. This is the good. And then I would say again, go back to discernment. So you're discerning: is this from the Lord? You're thanking Him for being a prophet. You're discerning: how should I say this word? Then discern: who do I say this word to? And I think that's really important because um, sometimes it's like the whole community you need to speak to, right? Sometimes it's the leaders in the community. Maybe sometimes it's one leader in the community. I know sometimes when I'm feeling it, it's, hey, I need to talk to Aaron and he and I are going to talk about, here's what I'm sensing. What do we do with this? Or I'll talk to Brad and Aaron and our leadership team. Or sometimes I say it to the whole community. And so Mm -hmm. it's really discern who am I being called to speak this word to, but it all goes back to this, this, you have, like, if God is filling you with a sense that, man, that there's complacency here, God, that is not God's will. God wants, he does not want Christian community to be complacent. He doesn't want us to, uh, to be lukewarm. He wants us to be on fire. And so, uh, there, there should always be a voice, um, when their community is complacent, challenging the community. All of that has to be done in great love. So if I'm challenging the community in frustration and sorrow and directness, if it's not done from an act of charity um, and and they don't feel loved by it, uh, it's not going to be effective. Yeah, that's awesome. I think another thing that, as you were speaking, Dan, that will determine how effective it is when you deliver it is truly seeking the Lord on how urgent it is. Mm. Like it, it can be important and non-urgent. 
Like it could be something he's showing you that over time he wants you to play a part in. Right. And I, I gave an analogy. I was speaking to the campus ambassadors this year and we have summer missionaries here at Damascus and they come and serve at Catholic youth summer camp. It's incredibly fast paced. The Lord moves really quickly in people's lives. You see conversions weekly and that, that's, that's not the rest of your life. Right. And, and sometimes that reconciliation of coming from this into the rest of your life can be mm. challenging for people. So our campus ambassador program seeks to set up people for success once they leave here. And I was giving one of the first messages to this group of people and I was um, brought to an analogy of baseball. And uh, I played a lot of baseball growing up. My family's um, just had a lot of success in, in, a lot, a lot of different sports, but baseball specifically. Um, I, I mean that like my I uncle seen was, you play baseball. My uncle was drafted actually by the Phillies cool. and uh, then played a year of college, was drafted again. And nice. so, yeah, um, baseball kind of runs. But um, in high school, I faced the best pitcher I ever faced. He played at Ohio State after that. Uh, threw him like the mid 90s. So pretty solid fastball. And I was, I was, um, I was young. So he was a freshman. I was like a young junior and I, I didn't know how to approach this at bat. And I knew I wasn't going to play his team again. And so the way I approached that at bat versus the pitcher that I knew I was going to face eight times in my career was very different. So I knew that when he was going to throw to me, that he was likely to throw a fastball up front. I'm going to tie this in, I promise. And uh, <laughs> like, like, but anyone that's following that's a sports fan, you'll know exactly what I'm saying. Like I, I stepped into the batter's box and I knew he was coming with fastball early. So I swung as hard as I could and I flew out to the warning track. If he had thrown a curveball, I probably would have struck out. But the way I approached that at bat was I have one shot at it. He's probably going to throw me fastball. I'm going to swing as hard as I can. I'm going to see what happens. The guys I faced eight times, there was a sequence to it. I approached those at-bats differently. There wasn't an urgency to get the first pitch right because I was going to face 40 pitches from these pitchers in my high school career. So it was about figuring out what they were doing and how I could use that to the advantage of what I like needed for the at-bat, right? And in ministry, sometimes we go in like we're going to face this community one time and it mm. has to happen right now. And if I don't swing as hard as I can, and if like all these things. But community is much more like the latter, the picture that you're going to see a dozen different times, eight different times. You're going to show up and, it, and they're going to be there. And so don't feel urgency where it's just important. Mm -hmm. And um, I do, I think that that analogy, like it helps get my mind around, man, I lose my peace sometimes whenever I get a word from the Lord. And I'm like, it has to happen right now or it's never going to happen. And everybody gets, has to get on board. And it's like, wait, where'd my peace go? Because if I'm going to be a prophet, I still have to maintain peace. Like mm -hmm. that, that's a fruit of the spirit. And if I'm not operating the spirit, I don't want to speak it. So I think the urgency piece goes to the effectiveness that you were talking about. Mm. Well, and you, you said discernment a lot mm -hmm. and uh, that's a whole nother podcast, right? To understand how to discern. But one of the best ways to discern is in the context of community too. So to be able to bring uh, to a trusted person or, or people, I think the Lord is telling us this, can other people corroborate? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was sensing that as well. Or a lot of times the prophetic word in our day and age is one that is kind of given out piecemeal that collectively emerges the message from the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't know whether or not Jeremiah had a small group that he threw his prophecies by. It doesn't seem like it seems like, but that was a unique call in his life. Most of us, as the Lord speaks to us, mm -hmm. one of the ways he's going to confirm the word and speak more deeply is through the other people in our lives. And so finding other people who, if you're sensing the community might be complacent, well then probably some others are too. And finding those people and saying, hey, I'm, I'm sensing this. I think this is what the Lord's, can you confirm that? Am I off? And it can be part of that patient, humble discernment. So you don't come in bull in a China shop. Mm -hmm. Oh, I got the word from the Lord. I'm the prophet. Yep. Here we go. Yep. You know? mm -hmm. yep. How do you guys, um, 
question off that. How, how, how in your guys' lives have you set aside, um, that proclivity to think it has to happen now or never? Like what's a, what's a practical step? Cause I'm, I'm imagining if someone's listening and they're actually asking this question, they're like, yeah, but this word, it like, it came so strong. And like, I think it has to happen right now. Like what's a way that they can offer that over outside of just the small group. Is there any other context? I thought I'd check in with you, Dan, you, Aaron, cause I love that. Like run it by other people, other. Yeah. I would, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it is of course discernment. So the only way you know if you're supposed to take action now or later is by asking God, am I supposed to take action now or later? Mm-hmm. And so I think getting your emotions out of the way so that you are actually like the emotions are what create the urgency, right? So a, uh, have a sober mind so you're able to discern, okay, is this a now word or am I called to be patient with this? I, if, um, you know, Chesterton says, don't be so open-minded that your brains fall out. Don't be so slow that nothing happens. And so like, there's, there's gotta be a a point where, um, there is a restart if, or, or that the engine is revved, whether that's a holy moment, a dramatic moment, right? Whether or not we, I, I move towards something to get something done. But if we just sit around and do nothing, it, it, it's, uh, we're either going to grow bitter or we're going to stay complacent. And yeah. so, uh, so I think there's got to be a, a, a timeline of there's, got, there's always action to be taken. The question is, what's the right action? Mm-hmm. And the action may not be, okay, we're going guns blazing, but there should yeah. be something. Maybe it's fasting and praying for conversion. Yeah. yeah. So run it by a group of people and take it. I'd say you've got to live Lord. it in relationship too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, with few exceptions, your prophetic word is not going to have lasting authority in somebody's life if you haven't earned it through relationship. So they've got to trust you. Um, and that trust might come through, you know, the invitation to come speak at your conference. So there's a high level of trust in Pete tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for, for me in the context of living it in community, like I can't just assume that because I have something to say that it's going to be heard. Mm-hmm. I need to know that the person who's receiving it trusts that I love them and that I'm willing to, you know, work it out. So yeah, if I feel this is urgent and then I open my mouth to say an urgent thing and I realize, wow, this isn't being received. Like, that's great. Like, mm-hmm. let's live it in relationship. And all of a sudden it's not urgent anymore. Yeah. It's now something we're going to work out over time. I love that. Yeah. So ch- challenge it where there's investment, right? Share it with a, a group of trusted people so that you can really get a different lens on it, making sure it's not just you and then continue to take it back to the Lord so you can discern it. I would also look at what are great examples of people who have done that well and done it poorly, right? So like, I bet we could all, like, I, I think one of the reasons we were expressing caution is because we're thinking through of how this could go so bad, right? I've done it poorly. Yeah. So if sure. you lack, if you lack guidance from the Lord and you lack character, it's probably going to be done poorly. But we also see moments of like Joan of Arc and Catherine of Siena, like going to Kings and to the Pope and to telling them what to do. Mm-hmm. And and they listened, right? And there's because it was from the Lord, and there was authority, and it was done with virtue. I love it. Well, That's let's good. let's move this into uh, our mission section. So, um, Pete, we do a, a mission momentum where we actually take the conversation we've had and we give one encouragement to the people listening on how they can actually make this practical in their lives this next week. We call it mission momentum. So if uh, any of you have mission momentum, how can we take this into the next week? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll jump on just based off what I was saying earlier. Um, try to think outside of the box and keep things fresh within the context of your community. If you feel like the schedule's becoming a drag, uh, take some time to think about how how can I upend this schedule a little bit? Mm-hmm. Um, 
that this is a good a good trick for marriage and for dating and for living in relationship. That's good. Yeah, um, I would say I, I really liked uh, Pete's two cents. I I think the like let the fire within burn deeply because the more it burns within you, the more people are going to see that and desire it. So if you're sensing um, uh, complacency within a community right now, just press in hard with the Lord this week and just don't take action yet. Just, just go after the Lord, go after the Lord, go after the Lord and just let him really uh, enkindle the fire within. Yeah. Building off of that, uh, a three word prayer that the Lord always answers, which is come Holy Spirit. It, uh, my dad used to call it a text message to Jesus. Uh, <laughs> and I, my it's very practical thing, start every day when you wake up, first thought in your head is come Holy Spirit. Just give your day to the Holy Spirit and let the, the Holy Spirit burn more deeply in you and see what happens <laughs> because there's no such thing. The Holy Spirit does not exist with complacency. They are incompatible. (laughs) It doesn't work. The Holy Spirit is literally the agent of movement within the church. And so if there's complacency, there's probably a lack of, of the Holy Spirit. And so just ask for more. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just say if, if you're restless or if you're finding complacency in yourself or in others, uh, take, take time to write down what's bothering you because when you write it down, it, it puts it into reality. And then you can really actually look at it. Like in my life, when I'm feeling overwhelmed or like something has to happen now, when I write it out, I begin looking at it matter of factly instead of emotionally. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, oh, wait, you already are kind of doing some things here. Or actually that does make sense. That might be good to, to talk about right now. So I would say, write it down in a journal. I used to do sticky notes by my bed because it would keep me up if I had too many things. So I would just write it and stick it down so I wouldn't forget it. But, um, yeah, that would be my mission momentum for the week. Um, Pete, it's so good to have you with us. Um, you. You'll be speaking tonight at the Empower Conference, which is so good. And uh, working with Renewal Ministries, how can anyone that's listening find more about you, what Renewal does? No, that's, that. that's generous. Yeah, just go to renewalministries.net is the easiest way to get in touch with okay, us. Okay, awesome. Yeah, they're doing amazing work, and we're so grateful to have Pete here alongside us. This has been Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. And we're not just a show that likes to talk about mission. We want to be a show on mission. So if this blessed you, or if you know anyone in your life that could listen to this episode and gain something from it, we'd encourage you to share it with them. Send it to them via text message, however it is that you want to send it to them, and let them encounter the word that the Lord's speaking to them so they can be on mission in their lives. And we'll look forward to seeing you here next time on Beyond Damascus. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and across Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. You can listen to the whole version of today's episode on www.ewtn.com forward slash radio forward slash podcasts, or check us out on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. We will be right back after a short commercial break. Proclaiming the faith, changing lives. The year was 1981. The FCC license to operate a satellite earth station, the first ever given to an order of nuns, was granted to Our Lady of the Angels Monastery. Mother Angelica flips the switch and EWTN begins transmitting from Irondale, Alabama. To learn more about Mother Angelica's life and the history of EWTN, visit EWTN.com slash Mother Angelica. As the largest religious media network in the world, EWTN has an important role in educating others about our Catholic faith and spreading the good news of salvation. We invite you to explore our numerous pages of historical faith documents, 
prayers, teachings, and other current issues in Catholicism today. Visit EWTN.com and click Catholicism. EWTN is the Global Catholic Network. This is Father John Bonavita There are many Catholic Christians who turn on the radio and they want to hear something spiritual, something about faith. So it's critical that in every area we can have Catholic radio and that we as Catholics will continue to support this great work and for bringing the message of the gospel, the message of our beautiful Catholic faith to everyone. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio, now more than ever. EWTN offers the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass live every morning at 8 Eastern and provides you with daily readings to follow along and enrich your experience. To be sure you don't miss out on the daily Mass or to get access to previous recordings, we can send a link to your email inbox every day. It's easy. Visit EWTN.com and click subscribe. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and across Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, friends. This is the show where encounter meets mission. I'm your host for today's show, Aaron Richards, joined here in the illustrious Damascus Media Studio by my friends and brothers in Christ, Dan Demite. Hey, hey. And Brad Pierin. Yes, I knew your uh, high five was going to be so strong that I set my tea down. That is a yeah, wise choice. I would have spilled that it on I, I pride myself on strong high fives. Aaron, I've <laughs> noticed throughout this season, too. the bracelets on your wrist as we're doing high fives, they continue ah. to grow. How, where are, like, these These are magnificent. I'm feeling family. I, I've just made, from the kids. I've, I've made the decision that as I get older, I can wear strange bracelets that my daughter gives me <laughs> okay. without any fear of being judged. Yes, that sounds good. So this one says, uh, dad of me. Dad okay. of me. That's a good one. Yeah. And this one has a little eyeball bead on it <laughs> because my daughter Felicity's eyes are blue. So she says, this is my eye. <laughs> I thought you were going to say because she said, I'm always watching you, dad. I was like, oh no. So Beyond Damascus is the show where Encounter Meets Mission. Uh, we, we try to answer difficult theological questions that you may have or missional-based, mission-based questions that you may have, mm-hmm. giving our two cents from the experience we've had leading this uh, beautiful organization, Damascus. And also then we wrap it up at the end of each show with a mission momentum challenge for you to actually embrace this and live it out every week. So we're not just consuming more content, but we're mm-hmm. actually putting it into practice. With that said, Jack, would you lead us into today's question, please? Of course. The question of today is how do you get how do you not get tired or burnt out when prioritizing being on mission? How do you not get tired or burnt out when prioritizing? All right. Oh yeah. I think I want to start this one. Okay. Aaron starting? Yeah. This is big. Oh, oh hit it. Second one. Yes. Yay, he did it. How do you not get tired or burnt out when prioritizing oh, living a life on mission? Dan, I I, I look back to uh, some of the stuff. I remember you and I were on this kick when we were in college. Yeah. Uh, some saint, I'm sure, who was awesome and probably very uh, unhealthy in his lifestyle choices, he said once that he wants to be exhausted when his head hits the pillow every night. Yeah. And uh, and I, I know I was really inspired by that. I made it like my my goal and objective that I want to be so sold out for mission. Like I want to either I want to either fall asleep the moment my head hits the pillow or. I want to I want to fall asleep in the midst of a rosary because I I because I can't summon the strength to conclude it right, 
that that was really the the motivation that drove my life. Um, I, I love to acknowledge who's asking this question. I'm sure this comes from a from a a, a place of of a desire to give your whole heart and your whole life. And I, I think my question or my response would be to hopefully with the greatest pastoral heart I can summon in me to suggest that maybe we're not meant for comfort, but we're meant for greatness, right? I was at a, I was at a mass earlier this week and, and in his homily, um, the priest quoted uh, von Balthasar. Is he a saint or just a philosopher or a writer? I don't believe he has been canonized. No, I don't know. I, I don't even know if he's a human. But Does that mean everything he says doesn't even. <laughs> he mean, is yeah. in he's fact a human. He, he may be. He may be an AI. Uh, in any case, <laughs> he's, not, he's not an AI. Fact. As often as he gets quoted, he probably is an AI. <laughs> in any case, von von Balthasar said that uh, martyrdom is should be the norm for Christianity. Martyrdom should be the normal Christianity, and and that that. Uh, the the comment that he made in the course of his homily that just really stuck with me. I've been praying with it this week. Was that um, Christian martyrs? We 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 want to be Christian martyrs. Christian martyrdom is easy to give your life in one moment, and it's very very difficult to give your life in in ongoing daily moments. Uh, but that's that's the call of the Christian on mission. So my encouragement would be, man, um, find find a way to find passion and joy in being spent. <laughs> yeah it almost sounds like your your answer to the question where they say how do you not get tired or burn out when prioritizing being on mission you're almost saying you you are going to get tired and there will be seasons where you do get burnt out but that's okay yeah uh you know we look we look forward to heaven our our eternal rest uh if if we arrive to heaven well rested i think there's a problem <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a really good word. I, I I say this sometimes in conversations that I'm having with with guys that I'm walking with, but they'll they'll bring up this term burnout, and it's it's used so often. So again, to your point, Aaron, to be pastoral to the person asking, like I'm sure that you're probably swimming in Christian circles where this is used a lot, and you're like, I don't want that. I want to live a life that's full and abundant and joyful, and and burnout seems like the opposite of you that. Know, but I I wonder. Yeah, I, I think back to like the the. Um, agrarian societies of yesteryear. Like, if I'm if I'm a farmer working on the the American Western frontier, yeah. Like, is burnout something that I consider in my life as a high value? Exactly. No, no, it's not Be because <laughs> because I, I know that like my life is meant to be spent in labor. Yeah. Well, Actually, words matter. That's what I'm trying to say too. Yeah. Well, it's December, and I think the. We were talking as family the other day. I was like, "Man, I hate when it gets dark so early." And my wife was like, "Well, it that the farmers used to love that because they didn't have to work until nine p.m. Right?" Yeah, and so, and she said, "Isn't good. it interesting that God created the universe to have cycles in our work?" And so, there, you, those farmers they did have long seasons where it was go, 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 go. Yeah. But then there was also seasons that she said they would sit by the fire and do the easier tasks like fix the clock or sew. And so there are times where like our, our missionary lifestyle, our mission life, it, it needs to get a flow with the seasons yep. of God. And so there are seasons where I'm going really hard and I'm hitting the pillow ever, like, and like, oh, and then there's also seasons where I rest to make sure I am with God. And so like follow the rhythms. Yeah, of God if that's that your motivation. Yeah. I, I, here's a, a funny little side note. I always, I often hear how like older men yeah. retire after retirement, 
naturally wake up at five o'clock every morning. <laughs> yeah, they had, like, I'm just like, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait until my body doesn't need sleep anymore. And it just does that. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I I want to I want to uh, like create kind of a distinction because to your guys' point, I think all that's true. And when I'm talking to those guys and they're mentioning burnout, or when this person's mentioning burnout, like I, I will often come back just quickly to just test the heart with. Yeah, but wouldn't you rather burn out than rust out? Yeah. Like, w- like if you had the two choices, would, would you rather come to the end of yourself and realize that you were at the end of yourself or fall in on yourself? And it's like, man, the Christian life is the first. And, and we're going to push boundaries if, if we're really, really going after something that God has in front of us. And, and there, of course, are ways that we can respond to him and rest with him and be with him. But also, it's like, I'd rather the first every day of the week. And an, another thing, and you come to this all the time, Aaron, and I've heard it from you too, Dan, but God, he met best paragraph 24, right? We were made to be a gift. We were made to partake in self-gift. And I think that the modern society we live in, speaks self-care far more than self-gift. And so we've, we've gotten in this place where my constant uh, examine is how well am I caring for myself, yeah. not how much am I gifting myself. And I think if we can turn that to your point, Aaron, I think we'll get to a, I th- yeah, I just think we're going to get to a place where we're able to be on mission and connected to the Lord. That's beautiful. I am. I uh, oh okay. want to build on what I was just saying, because I, I want to, speak to that because I do think there's times when we are trying to be mission focused. And well, I guess I'll I'll say this first. If you're listening today, we work at a place called Damascus and we have five missionary mindsets here that we teach all of our missionaries. Every time we have a training, we constantly come back to these that we're Jesus centered, mission focused, joy filled, obedient toilet plungers. And we say there's even a reason for the, the order of them. And, And I will constantly come back as a reflection in my own life to the moments that I find mission exhausting, the moments that I'm finding myself way beyond myself and burn out, if you will, it's because I'm not maintaining my Jesus-centeredness. That, that mission focus without Jesus-centeredness, it becomes self-aggrandizement. Mission becomes about me. And when we stay in relationship with Jesus, he will always fuel us to mission. What do we talk about on this show all the time? Encounter leads to mission, right? And so encounter with Jesus, a centeredness on Jesus, a healthy spiritual life is that which propels me into mission. You know, uh, St. Paul said in 2 Corinthians that I will most gladly spend and be utterly spent for the salvation of souls. So what does he, what does he mean when he says that? I will most gladly spend, I will spend all of me And then anything left, I'll let the Lord spend from me for the salvation of souls. Mm. How was he able to say that? Because he was Jesus-centered. Because he had a relationship. Because mission wasn't about the name Paul. Mm. Like, and the Lord even changed his name. So, like, his name was different now anyway. So, it wasn't about him. And I do think sometimes in my own life, when I have found mission uh, being the most difficult to choose, it's because I'm not choosing Jesus like I want to. So if you're asking this question, like how, how do I, how do I live a life of mission without finding myself in the midst of burnout? Check your, check your prayer life, your spiritual life. Have you gone on a retreat recently? How are you doing with Sabbath? Like, are you taking a time to rest with the Lord and to give all the fruits of that week to him and asking him how you guys can engage differently the week? Uh, upcoming. And those, those are the things that I would say. So I would say the way to do that is, um, 
Sabbath and prayer, which are huge aspects of Jesus-centeredness, is that which will allow mission to continue. I love that. I think that's beautiful. I think you guys really complement each other well. Like the the fact that, okay, expect it to be hard and go hard, and this is what Christianity is. Yeah. And yet, in God's wisdom and providence, he also told us to keep holy the Sabbath. And so there yep. is a place where I need to be rooted in him and in rest, and all the activity comes mm-hmm. from rest with him. And I can even be in rest with him when it, in activity. I, yeah. Our missionary program does us really well, especially even in, um, in the, especially in the summer. So I was talking to one of our head counselors this summer and, um, I asked him like, Hey, how are you doing? He's like, dude, I am more tired than I've ever been. And because of that, I'm growing in holiness. I think for the first time ever, mm-hmm. he's like, I finally get it that I, I had never pushed myself hard enough to actually need to depend on Jesus, right? So it's possible to live the American lifestyle and it's so comfortable that it's possible you never cling to him. And he's like, I am so empty right now. I'm just clinging to him like never before. And I'm growing in holiness, like in intimacy with him, like never before because of that. I think it's like John of the Cross. It's that active purification of the senses that like I'm getting rid of the flesh by a, by renouncing it, like I'm actively purifying the desires of the flesh through pressing into mission, which forces me to cling to Jesus uh, more. Yeah, that's why we're called the holiness and mission, right? Like yeah. the, the the biggest shame in life wouldn't be getting to the end of your life and realize that you didn't hit the highest goal you could ever possibly set. The biggest like disappointment in life would be getting to the end of your life realizing you set it way too low and got complacent after that. Like we want to go after something holiness, mission, they're, they're beyond us. The salvation of the world, I, I can't do all of that, but I can do some of that, and I have no idea how much I'm supposed yep. to do of that. And Jesus pushes me to set things that are beyond me, specifically so that I cling to him, right? So that I know that mission's dependent on him. Holiness is dependent on him. It's almost, a, to, you said, okay, so if, if you are mission-focused without being Jesus-centered, you're gonna burn out. And mm-hmm. I think what, I, I think if it's, um, if what happens? So when, when I mission focused and I start getting tired, I either burn out. I mean, I'm sorry. I either get, when I mission focused and I start getting tired, I either become Jesus centered or I become self-centered. And if I become self-centered, then I'm like, Oh, I'm not getting this. They're not treating me well. That pastor's not doing this. And I, I start, I get so self-centered and self-centeredness always leads to burnout. But when I'm mission focused, I'm getting tired. If I become Jesus centered, I find the grace sufficient for that time of need, right? That his strength is sufficient in our weakness. And so it's, I have to go to him. I can't go into myself. Yes, I will most gladly spend, gladly spend and be utterly spent for the salvation of souls. Yeah, you can say that whenever it's Jesus-centered and not self-centered. A little caveat on that. It's it's also then the responsibility of the people who who are supervising your area of service, right? To make sure that, you can be healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Right. Because, sure. because that takes a, a tremendous amount of trust. Um, and of course, you know, if, if you are in a place where, where you're being pushed to the point of exhaustion or, or a lack of health, like you do need to advocate for yourself, but mm-hmm. I think the pendulum has swung. Well, and let me yeah. honor you too as well. Cause you guys have been in leadership since my start here at Damascus. And I think the thing you guys taught me more than anything is, um, well, I'll, I'll state it this way and, and then honor what I saw in it. But like to know a limit as a limit is to be beyond it. So I only know what my limits are when I go beyond them. 
And you guys gave me such a confidence in myself that I routinely went beyond my limits. But then you were also open when I came back to you to saying, okay, now we see that as a limit. How can we, how can we scale back and make that possible? And I want to just encourage everyone listening, like go beyond some of your limits. Don't be scared that you're not sufficient because we're not sufficient without his grace. And when we get beyond it, we can begin seeing like, I, I never tell someone that I'm too tired unless I realize at what point I think I crossed that threshold. And if you never cross that threshold, I'm just sad that you might not live the life abundant that you were made for. And you guys, I think did both where you allowed me to push it to where I was like, well, that's way past where I can go for the rest of my life. And then you guys helped me see though, don't go and swing the pendulum all the way back to where you just rest for the rest of life. But where is that line at? How do you maintain it? Because that's where holiness and mission will flourish. Mm. Amen. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> My two cents. Um, how do you not get tired of burnout when prioritizing a life on mission? I think um, for me, uh, um, it's, it's a, I want to be deeply connected to Jesus's heart for his people. And so uh, my, my deepest desire is, um, is that I would live like Jesus and love like Jesus. I want, I just, uh, and so the more I have Jesus's heart, um, for his people, the more the, the grind or it actually isn't hard at that point. Like it's like, how does a parent not get burnt out and not just leave their children? Well, it's, it, it's because of love. Love motivates the late night love motivates the sacrifice love and so if i when i'm when i'm feeling burnout when i'm feeling like i just don't want to do this anymore i i just turn to jesus and i start begging for his heart for his people and sometimes i have to do active things to to have his heart for his people i know that i have jesus's heart for his people way better when i'm doing daily intercession and if i'm not praying for the salvation of souls if i'm not praying for those um who are living under the dictatorship of communism if i'm not praying for the the poor and the suffering my heart's just not as sensitive i become selfish and um so intercession talking to the least of these right so like praying with his people really sensitizes my heart because there's nothing that sensitizes me to want to keep going when i when someone's crying in front of you and just begging that Jesus would, would lift their anxiety. Like that just like, it like, I want that for you too. And so uh, talking to the poor and relating with the poor and suffering, praying with those at our parishes and our, at, 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 in our lives, like allowing Jesus's heart to be our heart. It keeps us going because love allows us to, to love, um, love allows us to do supernatural things in our everyday life. That's yeah. awesome, Dan. It is. I, I just want to honor you, Dan. I think you're, you're so true to that. I, I just, I, you're one of the more uh, motivated people I know. And it's been amazing for me to see how that comes from that engine. Like it doesn't come from an engine that is uh, self-seeking or whatever other engines it might be. I, I do see that. Do you, uh, do you like, uh, was there a time where you realized those were the ways that your heart was activated and, or was it just by, getting out there and doing it. I wonder, uh, you know, when I was 18, I got a tattoo of the sacred heart of Jesus on my arm. Oh, yeah. And so maybe just that was a defining moment. Just tattooing Jesus's heart. No, I think there were, um, you heard it here first folks, everybody get a tattoo of the sacred. I'm just kidding. I, it's so funny. I think I used to be an air. Uh, well, I, I was so arrogant when I first came into the faith. I, I was so theological and I loved the fact that the Catholic church was the the pillar and foundation was right. of truth. Yeah. Yes. And I was like, I'm right because the church is right. And like, 
let's go evangelize. <laughs> and uh, and it it it. It was one. It wasn't very effective. What did you used to wear on your wrists during that time? Uh, I don't know. Are you? Is what did I wear something? That's on when my... you had like spiked collars. Oh that you... yeah, yeah. No, that's, yeah, I, did. I was I was Crunch a punk face. rocker as well. Yeah, spikes, all kinds of stuff, and um, and because uh, I was anti-world, anti-culture, and uh, I'm going against the grain. But I I think uh, I don't know what it, I don't think there was a moment, but I do know that. I thought it was childish when I first came to believe that everything goes back to love and everything goes back to the simplicity of how well can we love and how holiness is not doing, it's becoming. And the goal of, of the spiritual life is that our heart would become Jesus's heart and that we would love with the heart of the Father. And um, and so I don't think I'm actually all that great at it. I, I think I'm really? much better at, like, at, at building ministry programs than I am someday of just loving the person in front of me but I you know I go back to that because that's that's what I desire in my spiritual life. It's what I desire in my apostolic life. And I'm not there yet. And that's kind of the that's the nice thing. It's a journey. But if I was there, then I'd probably become arrogant and then not be there anymore. <laughs> so Yeah, that's good. And it well, then just to affirm that too, Dan, that as as you express that desire, like whether it comes easy or not, mm-hmm. that inspires others. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm just so motivated because of the the way that the Lord's worked in our lives here at Damascus, all three of us to commit here. I, I just regularly get asked like, what, what has allowed Damascus to flourish? Like what, mm-hmm. what's been, and I constantly just go back to that. We've stayed mm-hmm. that we, we haven't gone and built something like a, as Dan or Aaron or Brett, but like there's this, um, this way that the Lord I think has invited us into humility. And I think that's where I'm wanting to get at for anyone listening is just like, humbly submitting yourself to something that's going to outlive you is one of the best ways to not burn out. It's like, I am going like, maybe that's your family. Maybe that's the ministry you're working in. Maybe that's the financial resource you want to have so that you can bless the church in your local area. Like, I just think that that, that is, is such a beautiful, merciful invitation from God is, Hey, would you humbly submit to something bigger than yourself? Would you just humbly set yourself to the side, not because you're irrelevant, but because I want you plugged into the hole. Would you humbly do that so that I can do something bigger than I could do with just you? And like, I think if our church would get into that, burnout would be less and motivation, zeal, all that stuff would be more. Yeah. That's, Love it. that's a huge point. So we get to share in the course of our two cents, kind of how the Lord's spoken to us. And, and I, I'm excited for the next part of the show. We always get to step into now our mission momentum. And, uh, I'm excited to hear where, where each of you guys go. These are now our, our challenges for you about, okay, mm-hmm. if you want to take this seriously, how do you live it? Yeah, who, wants to, who wants to kick it off? I, I can, because mine's really simple. It ties into my two cents. I, I want to encourage anyone listening to just go daily to that verse in 2 Corinthians. I will, I will most gladly spend and be utterly spent for the salvation of souls. Because I think when we, when we go to a verse like that, and we allow ourselves to think, what was Paul saying? Like, how was he saying this? From what heart was this coming from? It begins to develop a heart in us to do things more than we thought we could before. So I, I think this week, if we can just for maybe five minutes a day, just when, whenever, just read that verse every day and just ask the Lord to highlight something about it. Because I remember when I first came across that verse, I spent time with it and it changed my life because I just saw a different perspective, a perspective of someone who was all in and it, it gave me the motivation to want to be all in. And I think that'll be um, something that can stand against um, burnout. Beautiful. Uh, mine is if, if, you're, if you're experiencing burnout or exhaustion, uh, to assess your time, assess your schedule, and see where it is that you're spending your attention, right? 
uh, a, a real simple example for this. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm charged with uh, speaking on an event we've got coming up this weekend. And uh, I've been really diligently like conversing with the Lord and preparing for this over the last week or so. And last weekend, when I sat down with him to think about this, he said, hey, I want your whole heart focused on this this week. We're going to explore this together. So I want you to cut out some distraction. So he identified like the, the time of consuming media at the end of the day, that that was something he just wanted me to say, okay, hey, this is all well and good. It's well ordered, but this week we're going to fast because, because I want to keep your focus That's and attention awesome. on this thing. So, so submit yourself, like allow, allow the Lord to be the Lord of your schedule. And, and, you know, nothing's off limits. If, if there's a time of, of rest that you're being called into, great. Like, enjoy a video game with your family or friends. Enjoy a good book. But if, if there's a deep time of mission that he's calling you into, trying to do both those things at the same time might lead you to a place where you just don't have time to thrive. Mm-hmm. Good. That's awesome. Um, I would say if you're experiencing burnout, mission momentum this week would be um, to... Uh, reconnect with the suffering of humanity in some way. So if that is uh, intentionally driving someplace where you'll see the homeless and talk to them and get to see them, or if that's, you know, someone you've been avoiding that you know is suffering, just reconnect with them and spend time with the suffering Christ and uh, pray that the Lord would sensitize your heart to that. That's really great. I also um, just, if you're listening, you're like, what was that verse? I couldn't remember it offhand, but second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15, that's where you can find the verse I've been talking about. You guys both use the word sensitize today. And Is that as, right? As you did, Come I on. I can't help but hearing tenderize. Oh, so I hear as you see this little hammer, like the Ooh. like the meat tenderizer. Yeah, making yeah. a steak when Ooh. you get like a flank All steak. Right, I yeah. change, I'm changing my mission <laughs> momentum. <laughs> tenderize. If you're experiencing tiredness and burnout, make yourself a great tenderize steak a steak and just rest with it, and then you'll learn how to rest with something that is good, and then take that into yeah. your prayer life. Fast and feast, you know. Well, remember, we're we're not just the people on mission; we're a show on mission. I just want to invite you a little a little bonus uh, mission momentum this week to please subscribe to the show and share it with someone who you think it might be valuable to. Remember that we have a donor here on Beyond Damascus who has pledged $10 in support of our flagship program, Catholic Youth Summer Camp, this season. It's our last episode of this season. If there's anybody who you think could benefit from this show, encourage them to subscribe so that we can send a kiddo to camp. Mm -hmm. All right? Friends, it's been a joy. This has been a tremendous season. Uh, we've enjoyed spending our weeks with you. We've enjoyed engaging with you in the comments and the emails that you've sent to us. Mm-hmm. We're going to be back again soon. And when we do, uh, we, we want to be ready to answer some of the questions that you may have. So please, uh, whether now or in the future, send your questions to beyond at damascus.net or engage with us here on social media, wherever you might find us best. And until next time, please remember that mission Mission makes makes sense. sense. Yeah, it does. We'll see you again soon. God bless. Friends, thanks for listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. You can listen to the whole version of today's show by searching for Beyond Damascus on YouTube or your favorite podcast app.